0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Welcome to the program, everybody. You're watching Squawbox. Let's get into your headlines. Well, U.S. indices fell for a third straight session after more hawkish Fed comments tempering expectations that Jay Powell may be forced to pivot from the central bank's tightening path. Crude prices cooling on reports any OPEC plus output cut would coincide with the return of Iranian oil to the
1: market as part of a nuclear deal with the West. Uh, JD.com slashing costs as it posts its slowest quarterly growth on record, the latest victim of a COVID-induced slowdown in China. Plus, you've got the US is expected to unveil a 3 billion dollar security assistance package for Ukraine today as the country marks six months since Russia's invasion.
0: And global dividends surged to a record high in the second quarter with Janice Henderson finding 94% of companies hiking or maintaining payouts driven by the oil and financial sectors.
1: Everyone, I'm a bit of a rabbit in the headlights this morning because I I was thinking, uh, and I almost didn't do my headlines because I was was well, I was was pontificate. (laughs) I'll I'll sit down. It is early. I sit down. It's calmer (laughs) if I sit down. The good thing about this show, and I I do genuinely love my job. Certainly, the bits where I'm sitting on air chatting to you and Karen. (laughs) Yeah, well, well, (laughs) indeed, management really, really wouldn't believe that. But 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 the fact is, your two headlines left me. Pontificating, ruminating, cogitating, thinking yeah. straight away yes. about the markets, and that's not vegetating. That, that no. make vegeta- certainly yeah. vegetating, yeah. yeah, growing roots. Uh, but but that that's the mark of a good headline. So well done to right. the producers. But and I almost didn't do my headlines because I was thinking no. about your first two headlines uh, and about what the market's done and what the market hasn't done mm. uh, on the back of what we're seeing at the moment. And, and, and your first headline was about uh, markets decline for a third straight session because no. of the, the hawkish language coming out of the, the Fed members. Well. I don't think it's particularly hawkish. It's just a reiteration of what's already been said. And and I thought about it, given the fact that you and I have already extensively chatted about the data that we saw yesterday, whether it be the, the service sector purchasing managers index or indeed the home sales data. And on another day, I would suggest that those poor pieces of data, and they were disappointing, 27-month low for the service sector PMIs, um, home sales disappointing down 12.6% percent month for month in July, way worse than expected. On another day, that would have led the market very easily to have gone, oh, great, that means less rate hikes because the economic activity is falling off aggressively, we can buy... Uh, out this market and I think actually given where we've come in the previous two sessions and the declines we've seen yes these moves even though they were very small by comparison to the previous sessions I think were very disappointing for those looking for uh, a line in the sand in the market and, and then I know you're building up comments, and when you do this, what I'll do is I'll do this next one, then yeah, I'll, I'll on. shimmy all over, shimmy beautifully, moonwalk in a Michael Jackson-esque I'm, way to the this wall. What
0: am waiting for?
1: <laughs> I'll probably just. That, walk yeah, that's
0: a promise to the audience. No,
1: no, now. no, I've been vegetating, so I probably have to pull up my roots first. Right. But but then I thought your, your headline about crew prices was equally right. fascinating. Crew prices call on OPEC Plus output cut would coincide with return of Iranian market, and I thought to myself. Crude prices actually haven't cooled since we were here yesterday, they're up another couple of bucks Uh, and the line that we've had from the Saudis, and I'm still thinking about this constantly, I think was so illuminating uh, and perhaps slightly more worrying for those who are bull markets of the oil price Mm. because it means the Saudis are beginning to worry about demand. Why else would they make these protestations about potential cuts going forward? So I think both your headlines got me thinking and should have got our viewers thinking as well.
0: Um, I think there is a very binary approach to the market at the moment. I think that there is a um, a school of thought that says that um, the market is not the economy, that the economy is decelerating, that all the data points that we're talking about and the impact of perhaps inflation on consumer behavior is to crush demand and to slow economic activity, right? And that's back to the oil story and the Saudi fears and so on and so forth. But I think the market is 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 doing the maths and saying, okay, if, if the money is not going to be channeled into the real economy, the money is going to be channeled back into the markets, or at least it's going to stay in the markets. If there is money. Well, there is money. I mean, look, look. The, well, there are the, liquidity issues in a lot Q, of these markets at the, the moment. The QT hasn't even started in mm. reality, has it? I mean, and that's the, that's the kind of head faint that's going on here, that we're being told that the tightening in interest rates is having a significant effect on liquidity at the moment and ultimately, you know, the, the big sucking sound, the money is being pulled out of the, of the markets and so on and so But it just hasn't really and and i think you you always make that point very well when you reflect on actually how far the markets have come over the last 2 years and what this recent pullback looks like and very interesting the technicians got very excited about the fact that we had a 50% retracement which is something that they argue indicates that Actually, the the bear market, the worst of the bear market, may be over at this stage. That the, the, we may be in the foothills here of a fresh up leg. Now, again, and that's
1: how it felt for a lot of the summer.
0: And, and that's the challenge. That's the challenge with this binary nature of the view, because the rest of the world is going panic, panic. It's all going to hell in a handcart. We need to get out of the market because yes. earnings are going to crater. And the other part of the market is going actually. We don't think it's going to be that. I, bad. I think you make... inflation isn't that bad for earnings.
1: I'll just go one more comment. By the way, they've they've scrapped the wall. They're just running right. the boards because oh. we we've ripped up the rundown dynamic unscripted show that we are. Right. Whatever the third one is as well. Yeah. What's the third one? I never forget. Accurate. Ah, pfft. Who knows? <laughs> who, who knows? <laughs> but 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 I think you're right. And I and I think the problem is as well. I think there are liquidity issues in the market. In fact, mm. I know there are liquidity issues in the market because I know every single mm. person who has got a block trade or a large. Uh, lump of stock to buy or sell or, or fixed income to mm. uh, add to the market or take away from the market well they are struggling and very worried now, whether it be in Bundes, which is one of the most liquid contracts on the world, whether it be in the largest stocks on the S&P mm. Whether it be in the foreign exchange as well. We're seeing violent moves on the back of of decent chunks of paper trying to get placed in the market. Uh, And and we haven't seen that liquidity. So I I agree with your binary point as well, but I think also uh, moves in the market are being created by trades which historically wouldn't have moved the market so aggressively because they can't necessarily find the other side. So there was a a witty article headline
0: on a piece from the Mann Institute yesterday. Um, Hedge fund managers look bad in shorts which I thought was terrific. But the point that it was making, and it's back to the point that you were teasing out there, is that if you look at the short interest now that um, has been very clearly charted in the S&P... There has been a pickup in short interest, significant pickup. The hedge fund community, the uh, equity long shorts mm. are trying to short this market. The trouble is, a lot of them are not making money. In fact, they're losing money, which is the point the article makes oh, here. Some of the
1: smartest brains find long short. It, it, I, and that's I, I, what I've makes known, it really difficult. I've known people I've worked for historically yeah. set up a hedge fund uh, on long short. Found it absolutely impossible in a bull market as well. And maybe they'll have a bit more luck uh, with a fifty percent retracement, as you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, do you know we've completely ripped it? I have can we? see bits going on hold, left, right, and centre. Okay. Your read is still there. Let's let's do this then. So, uh,
0: Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari has warned the biggest risk facing the U.S. economy is the Fed misinterpreting how entrenched inflation has become and failing to react appropriately. Kashkari, who wants to see the Fed rate up to four and a half percent by year's end, said the Fed should continue tightening until it's clear inflation is moving back down towards its two percent target. Kashkari's remarks come in contrast to some investors' hopes that the Fed could slow the pace of rate hikes after July's CPI reading showed inflation easing. Well, Dan Niles, the founder of Satori Fund, told our colleague stateside he's not expecting any sustained upside in equity markets or corporate balance sheets as long as the Fed is still tightening.
2: Every big cap tech company, whether it was Amazon or Apple even, that be. Beat- both revenues and EPS, the EPS for the September quarter went down in all of those cases, Microsoft, Facebook, Google, all. So that's the big picture. So you don't want to get caught up in the day-to-day moves of, oh, Palo Alto is up today and Cisco's up today. And well, but Zoom is down. You got to step back and look at this because this is going to be a long punishing journey. As the Fed will probably remind us at Jackson Hole on Friday, but they've still got to raise rates a lot more from the two and a half percent that we're at now to get it to the 3.8 which is where they have forecasts for their median projections by the end of 2023
0: uh, meanwhile uh, hedge fund legend jim chanos told cnbc he doesn't expect the fed to ease on rates until it's sure inflation is under control
2: it's been it's been wrong to bet against them being too dovish for the last 10 years that may be what got us to where we are today however and and um, I, you know, I, as I keep saying, what happens if commodity prices start going back up again? Um, you know, we've all convinced that we've seen the peak of that and the peak of this. But having lived through the '70s, I also remember what markets were like. Um, the Fed eased about three or four times aggressively in the '70s after tightening, and it just kept leading to higher and higher um, uh, problems of tightening. Ultimately, culminating Volcker in '79. So. Um, they definitely don't want to repeat that, that experiment. Um, and so we'll, we'll, like everybody else, I guess we'll just have to see.
1: Right, let's take a look at some of the big Asian indices. Um, we are five-tenths of 1% higher in the ASX 200. Uh, they've had a, cu- a couple of really rough days on the long side there. Um, but finding a, a little bit of a line in the sand. Elsewhere, I'm afraid, big declines uh on the Shanghai composite uh 1.38% lower and the Hang Seng is also down by a similar margin the Nikkei down 0.4%. So Hong Kong listed shares of XPeng fell to their lowest level since March after the company posted a 2.7 billion yuan net loss in the second quarter the EV maker reported a 98% increase in deliveries year on year. Uh, With sales outpacing its biggest competitors, despite the resurgence of COVID 19 in China. But the car maker gave weaker guidance for its upcoming quarter. Uh, JD.com posted its slowest quarterly growth on record, meanwhile, as revenue rose 5.4% in the second quarter. The Chinese e commerce giant beat expectations on the top and bottom line and increased its active customer base. Well, we've got a treat because apparently uh, Arjun's alarm went off too early. So what shall I do? I'll come in and see
3: Jeff and Steve. Good morning to you, my friend. Good morning, Steve. Up here bright and early. And one of the interesting things about JD.com is we've seen uh, the theme run through this Chinese tech earnings season of the impact of China's zero COVID uh, policy on these tech companies. We saw a resurgence of COVID in the second quarter, lockdowns in major cities across the world's uh, second largest economy. That hit GDP as well as consumer spending. And we saw that in the impact in JD's numbers, revenues of 267.6 billion Chinese yuan, up 5.4%. It's slowest quarterly revenue growth on record. However, there were a lot of positives for the company in the quarter. It did pretty well. And that's because of its strength in its retail business, its largest business revenue up 4%, but operating profit rising 36% year on year. That was very much driven by the 618 shopping festival. It happens annually, huge discounts across a number of uh, e-commerce retailers. JD participating in that and seeing a boost. Now JD's retail business is quite different from its rival Alibaba in the fact that it owns more of its inventory. It controls a lot of the logistics, and that's really helped it. Whether the storm in terms in terms of the supply disruptions in the logistics industry we saw in China because of those lockdowns uh, and that really helped boost the retail division. And finally, cost control, another key theme of Chinese tech earnings season in the second quarter as well. JD turned a profit of 4.4 billion Chinese yuan versus 0.8 billion last year. So you can see a big jump there as they narrowed losses in their new businesses. They dropped their marketing and general expenses as well. And the logistics business also swung to profit. So that was really a theme. We saw that with Alibaba. We saw that in Tencent cutting costs as revenues do slow in order to boost earnings. So overall, a pretty good earnings report from JD. They managed to weather some of those headwinds in terms of, of COVID, thanks to that pretty strong retail business, guys.
1: Um, Arjun, uh, I'm a bit disappointed in you, have got to be honest. You're going to give Jeff and I a bad name, because not only has he done an excellent report this morning, but he's yeah. also written some brilliant copy on the website as well, something you and I have steadfastly tried not to do uh, over the years as well. So well done, Arjun, it's a great article, um, it is on the JD numbers as well, it is um, very near the top, I'm sure, probably at the top uh, of our most read stories uh, on CNBC.com as well, so um, big story there. Arjun Kapow, uh, and you can also tweet him as well. Why don't you follow him? Let's get him to 100,000 followers or something. Right, how many have you got now? I think about 14,000. Well, that's pretty good. It's more than me okay. and Jeff added together, mate. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, well played, sir. Right.
0: Chinese stocks are leading the losses then in the Asian session. They've come under heavy pressure in recent weeks and months, battling COVID shutdowns as well as global slowdown concerns and amid serious worries about the country's property market, prompting the PBOC to cut mortgage rates. Duncan Wrigley joins us, Chief Strategist for Everbright Securities International. Duncan, good morning and thanks for joining us here. Let, Let me just start by asking why the markets are not higher on the back of uh, the PBOC's interest rate cuts?
4: Well, the PBOC's interest rate cuts are intended to uh, boost confidence in the, in the markets, in the property market, especially in the economy. Um, but I would say that they are still relatively calibrated. I mean, OK, so there was a 15 basis point cut on the five-year rate which is most relevant for mortgages but a much smaller one five percentage uh, five basis points on the on the one year um and you know one reason why home buyers are holding back is that they see the potential for further rate cuts uh, later in the year so you know why buy a house now you can get a, a mortgage a lower mortgage rate later in the year um and The second reason is that the property market, especially property developers, is in um, a a difficult place. Uh, Many developers don't have enough liquidity, Uh, it's been well-publicized, the issue of uh, problem projects where uh, construction hasn't uh, continued even though homebuyers put their uh, down payment on a year ago or or more, and so many homebuyers are looking at these problem projects and saying you know, should I buy a house now? Should I make my biggest investment uh, of, of my, my household wealth in buying a property when there is a risk that that project may not be completed? And so therefore you can understand why they're holding back and, and that confidence, lack of confidence and, and uh, home buyers holding back in the property market is also having a knock-on effect in terms of broader confidence uh, in, in the economy and the stock markets.
0: And yet, you rarely make money by just blindly following the crowd here, and there are many good reasons that are well understood for not getting involved in this market at the moment. But are there any reasons on the other side of the ledger, Duncan, that would suggest to you there are opportunities in China at this point?
4: Well, there are certainly sectors uh, that are are outperforming and expected to outperform, uh, I would say. So, uh, among those, uh, the electric vehicle sector, which I think we've already addressed a bit on this program, but uh, for example, the battery maker, CATL, posted pretty strong profits, and the outlook, both you know, short-term and long-term, for electric vehicle sales is strong. Um, the government has also provided a boost for, for broader conventional uh, car sales as part of its uh, stimulus policies. Um, and I would say another sector that has uh, strong prospects um, is the, the energy sector, particularly uh, solar and um, the, the, the uh, solar uh, module makers. Um, right now, China is undergoing another uh, power shortage situation, particularly in southwest China, in, uh, around Sichuan, which is a, a very hydropower-reliant region. Um, and that highlights for China the importance of energy security Um, you know energy security in china is going to rely in part actually on coal still for the foreseeable future and china has been actually boosting a bit of coal power Um, but on top of that china will also rely a lot on renewable power bringing that renewable power from where it's generated uh, mainly of western China away from main population centres to the main uh, consumers of industry and, and households and largely in the coastal regions requires upgrading the grid um, and so another place that investors can look are the the suppliers Duncan. of equipment to upgrade the grid.
1: Um- Thank you very much, Tim, for everything so far. Just a very quick one for me to end off as well. You're talking about f- further fiscal stimulus aiming to maintain the current rate of 3 to 4%. Is that enough for China? I, I was always told that anything below 5 you know, 6% or whatever is going to risk all kinds of social problems, perhaps civil issues and certainly political headaches uh, for the leadership as well. Is 3% growth at the low end of your expectations there? Is that
4: enough? Well, right now, the current growth rate, which is estimated around that region, is proving enough in terms of broad employment, which has improved uh, since the the, the sort of tough lockdown in Q2. Um, However, there is structural employment around 20% amongst uh, a certain age group, 16 um, to to 25, and that's a particular issue that needs to be addressed. Um, Longer term, that's a different matter, but right now, uh, China is kind of accepting that growth rate, given the double constraint of the impact of zero COVID and the uh, the property sector issues on the economy.
1: Very, very good to get your insight, Duncan. Nice to speak to you today. Thank you very much, sir. Duncan Wrigley, Chief Strategist at Everbright Securities International. Right, oil prices, well, they've had a hell of a rally off their lows. All on the back, I would suggest, of uh, those comments from the Saudi oil minister. Uh, oil prices coming off the highs, but again, look, it's, it's, it's a very small decline compared to where they've come. Uh, the high seen yesterday over fears of an imminent output cut by OPEC+. Plus. Well, they haven't receded too much. Saudi Arabia has warned that the oil producer group may introduce cuts to help balance oil prices. Oil prices. Isn't that interesting? Very often, you'll, you'll struggle to get a minister telling you where the price should be. It's all about the balance of consumers and producers. But if now they're worried about prices rather than production balance i think that's subtle but important as well i also think if the market thinks that the producers are worried about oversupply that could lead to a very interesting period of volatility that's my own opinion Uh, having watched this market for one or two years. Uh, But multiple OPEC sources told Reuters that any such moves will not be immediate and could coincide with an Iranian nuclear deal and the return of Iranian oil to the market. One thing I will say is, we've all got our OPEC sources out there as well, if Saudi decides to do something, they can kind of do it. I think you all know that by now. Coming up on the show, six months since Russia invaded Ukraine. Uh, We'll count the cost of the war in Europe. Um, as uh, I think we teased yesterday, Germany and Canada building up hydrocarbon links. They've signed a hydrogen deal that uh, they say will stimulate a transatlantic hydrogen supply chain with first deliveries due, uh, wait for it, three years. So we'll solve the immediate. what kind of
0: hydrogen is this? Is this the green hydrogen or is this grey hydrogen? Is this dirty oh, hydrogen? Oh, there's a whole
1: rainbow of colours. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Blue, Blue, maybe? I mean, before they start trumpeting how green and environmental this deal is, worth knowing a bit more about it
1: I bet it's not green I don't know let's have a look Uh, Europe plans to use hydrogen as part of its policy to diversify its energy model away from a reliance on uh, Russia and fossil fuels Uh,
0: the US is set to announce a three billion dollar security assistance package for Ukraine as soon as today that's exactly six months since the Russian invasion began which also coincides with Ukraine's independence day Uh, Sylvia joins us with more on the story. Sylvia.
2: Good morning, Jeff. I would like to take this moment to understand where we are six months after this invasion began in terms of all of these energy dynamics that we're witnessing so far. So first and foremost, let's take a look at Europe's gas storage levels. At the moment, you can see that they're higher by more than 76 percent. And this does tell you that the fact that the EU is well placed to reach that target of 80 percent of gas storage levels by the end of October. But, of course, this is coming with a hefty price. If you look at gas prices across the block, they're currently up by more than 100% since the invasion began. And of course, this is having implications across the board. This is important for inflation. This is important for monetary policy. But then, of course, also on what this means for businesses and households across the block. But let me take a look as well at what happened on the Russian economy. If you look at some of the IMF's projections, they estimate the GDP could contract by 6% this year. But the IMF also said that by 2023, the Russian economy could have recovered to reach at least a GDP contraction of just about 3.5%. So a slight rebound there in terms of GDP levels. But if you look at the stock market, that already rebounded since uh, the invasion began in Ukraine. But I had the chance to speak to the German Association of Oil and Gas Producers, and the CEO described how all of this is impacting consumers back home.
3: Prices have not gone down completely to the the household um, customers as yet, but it's only a matter of time. Um, prices um, will get up by four or five times, right? So it, where, where you pay 1,500 euros today for your gas bill only, um, you, you may end up paying far more than 6,000 euros. That this is a reality. Um, and this does not go lightly. As you can imagine, um, Germany, Germany's economy may be, may be um, a rich economy, but this definitely, of course, is not true for, for society at large. So it's a huge societal issue.
2: Well, you heard it there. Consumers in Germany, those households, could be paying four to five times more in terms of their energy bills. Steve, so of course, this outlook for Germany, but across Europe, as you know very well, is looking very bleak.
0: Thank
1: you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to CNBC.com
0: or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick, and Karen Show. weekdays on CNBC.